your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller. Well, every year and every trade deadline season, Frank Saravalli's trade bait board gets a lot of play on social media, and he even connected one particular to the Ottawa Senators. We'll tell you who and what it might cost to get him, and then maybe the most fun I've had during an interview, Stuntman Stu joins us today. He was awesome, tells us some exclusive stories, tells us how he got the nickname Stuntman. And he even finishes it off with a Bobby Ryan goal call. All that. And we'll touch on the two game sixes that have turned into game sevens and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Friday, September 4th. Pillsy, I feel like we've spent the entire quarantine talking about how the Sens have so many goalies in their system. Would adding a 26-year-old Matt Murray be the right play here? This is a really interesting discussion to have because, Ross, we've been very clear on the Locked On Senators podcast that we believe in this organization's goalie depth chart, there is a future number one starting goalie in the mitts. Whether you're on team Decord, Sogard, but Whoa. there is potential here. And it just it's gonna take time. But what do you do when you're waiting to see if one of those goalies pans out? Well, is Nielsen and Hogberg the tandem you want to go with the entire time? Probably not. I'm gonna start this off with saying I think the best move, and it makes most sense for the senators is to stick with the Nielsen-Hogberg combo. But for sake of the pod, if we're getting into trade talk with Matt Murray, I don't know if I love the idea of it, and mostly because it's high risk, high reward, and you're looking at an RFA. It's high reward in the sense that this is a 26-year-old who's already got two Stanley Cup titles. The risk comes from the fact that his numbers this season were less than stellar. He's had an 899 save percentage. Now, it's almost like in baseball. You don't want to be under, what it, they call it, the Mendoza line of 200. Yeah. That's a, If you're under 900, I don't know if you're an NHL goalie. Like I, I really have to sit down, especially these days with goalies being as good as they are. You like to see it 915 and up, let alone 900, which would have been late 90s. You would have been like, oh, he's over 900. He's a good goalie type thing. That's nine saves out of, out of every 10 shots, right? So if he's not even nice math, li- thanks math guy, not even living up to that, like how much are you going to give him? And he's an RFA. Like what kind of contract is Matt Murray going to be looking for? There's a reason. And Tristan Jari is a good goalie. And I think that's the direction that Pittsburgh wants to go in their crease. But there is a reason why Matt Murray is available in the first place, right? You have to take that into account. And if there's as many teams that Frank Saravelli uh, reported that are interested in him, and I believe the list. It was about seven or eight teams, half of them from Canada, like Calgary, Ottawa, Toronto, um, not Montreal after, unless they want to add another three, four million dollars to their crease. They're already at 15 million, but any team could could use a young goalie with this upside. The question is, if it becomes a bidding war, Pillsy, how high would you be willing to go to acquire 
Matt Murray. You mentioned you're lukewarm on the idea in general. What would be your offer if you're Pierre Dorian to acquire him? Well, I think a lot of people have been throwing around the idea that some sort of package with the Islanders' first-round pick would get it done. I don't like that. The Um, thing is, too, Pilsy, Pittsburgh's not in a rebuilding state. They made that abundantly clear by trading their first-round pick for Casper Kapanen. I think they would want more bodies that could help them now. Definitely, and that's why I think they're looking at either the Islanders' pick plus a prospect or a a couple of seconds plus a prospect. I think um, you're looking at the trade market that Jake Allen set, basically a third-round pick. I'm not willing to give up a first-round pick for an unsigned Matt Murray. And the thing with the Senators, I don't think they would have success in getting him signed to a good long-term deal. Then you're looking at them going to arbitration, where I think that wouldn't be a good scenario for the Senators either, just to trade assets just to get him for one season at an arbitration price in a season where you're not really contending either. And I don't think the chances of him re-signing an extension would be that high. If we're looking at trade options for the Senators, you need to look for a goalie that's already signed to my my window is one to three years because like we said, there's a there's goalies waiting in the pipes here that could turn out to be NHL uh, caliber goalies. So if we're looking at trading for a goalie, a name that I like a lot, Darcy Kemper. He's got two more years at a really nice price at four, I think four and a half million. The Coyotes are in the worst cap trouble of the league. And draft, and draft trouble. They could use the picks after being... Um kind of slapped on the wrist over the whole testing prospects. 100%. Yep, 100%, which makes them an even better candidate. Darcy Kemper is at the top of my list for the centers if they're going to go that route because it gives them time to develop those goalies, but you're also getting an absolute stud in that, which is so important for, I don't want to call them a rebuilding team anymore because we're not in that phase anymore. Like next season, you're not tanking if you're the Ottawa Senators. So if you have a goalie that can steal a game uh, night in, night out for you to protect these young guys and give them some confidence, that's an unbelievable asset for the Ottawa Senators. And let's be clear, as the Locked On Senators podcast, we're both, I think, on the same page of rolling out Nielsen and Hogberg next season. But as Sens Chirp, the OG of Sens bloggers, pointed out on our Twitter, at Sens Central, he said if they're actually interested, it's pretty clear that they're not sure where Nielsen is at. And that's a good point. However, what I would say is that you look at the free agent market in terms of goalies, and I scratched out a couple names in particular on the list I put up online, but there is an abundance of goalies that would not cost you any assets, only money. So I want you to power rank these goalies. That's a big me. asset for the Senators, Ross. I know. But can you power rank these goalies for me here to require this summer? You got Braden Holtby as a UFA, Corey Crawford, Robin Leonard, Craig Anderson, Jacob Markstrom, Thomas Grice, and Anton Kudobin. Of those goalies, there's only three names that I think I would even consider. The ones I consider Corey Crawford, Thomas Grice, and Anton Kudobin. And you may be sitting there being like, oh, those are the the bottom three of that ranking probably. Well, I don't think the Ottawa Senators' uh, chance of signing a massive, massive free agent goalie are that high. The last time they did that was my boy Dominic Hasek. Uh, Let's take a look. Whoa, Martin Gerber, dude. Have some respect. It was his birthday yesterday. Yeah, well, I got my sights uh, a little higher for, for that window. The last... 
free agent goalies that the Sens have signed recently, Ross. Mike McKenna, Danny Taylor, Nathan Lawson. So you were so it, fired up on Danny Taylor. You thought he was <laughs> the next big thing. <laughs> admittedly, yeah, I was pretty fired up about that. But that's that's another episode for another time. I think if if you're looking at free agents, again, I don't want to be signing a guy to a deal more than three years. Robin Leonard's made it very, very clear he's looking for a long-term deal. So scratch that out. Jacob Markstrom is going to be getting a mammoth contract after this season. Whether it's from Vancouver, who knows, after the performances Demko's put out. But we'll get into that later. So that scratches him out the list. And then Braden Holtby. I don't see Braden Holtby coming to the Ottawa Centers. I don't think it really makes sense for uh, for his career trajectory. And Again, the Senators aren't able to put up those big dollars that free agents will want and those signing bonuses. So I think you're looking more at trying to get a goalie who is going to be a 1A, 1B type. So you're looking at Kreis, Kudobin, who's having an incredible playoff uh, series. And then Corey Crawford, I think, still has a bit left in the tank like he showed in the playoffs here. Yeah, and Corey Crawford probably wouldn't command much term, uh, especially with his recent injury history as well. So we're 35 days until the NHL draft. I'd assume free agency will start soon after that. It's only been 177 days, guys, since the Ottawa Senators last played a hockey game. And to keep yourself motivated before we get to Stu Schwartz, you know that Built Bar is the protein bar for you, especially after a long workout. It's the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, comes in 16 amazing flavors. Eight have chocolate and eight are nut-free. I should say all 16 have chocolate. Eight with nuts, eight without. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. They're low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and they taste unbelievable pilsy all that adds up to me is the perfect protein bar but there's so much variety we need a pilsy's pick to get us through which one we're going to reach into our big bag of built bar well pilsy's pick of the week this time uh, i'm going to try to relate it to some of the topics in sen's twitter fear mostly brought on by us in our interview with jd burke and tim stutzla you know what built bar i think tim stutzla is going for how about that german chocolate cake we talked about it these are all covered in chocolate. But if you love chocolate, get a little more chocolate in there. Chocolate on chocolate on chocolate. Great flavor from Built Bar. And you can go to BuiltBar.com right now. Just put in the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's a great deal. That's a beer on us for Built Bar. It's already an amazing protein bar, so I don't know why we really have to push you to go get it. Just go to BuiltBar.com right now. Put in promo code Locked On, and that's $10 off. Your next order. All right, Pilsy, without further ado, here is Stuntman Stu. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. He's the co-host of Mornings on Magic 100. An overall Ottawa celebrity was the Senator's public address announcer for 12 seasons and can definitely hold the E in Bobby Ryan. Longer than you, stuntman Stu Schwartz. Welcome to Locked On Senators Podcast. Pleasure having you on. I need a, a rating out of 10 on that, Bobby Ryan. I'll give you a 7.5. All right, okay. We can't, Safe answer. Yeah, we can't compete with the stuntman himself. Hey, I want to ask, how did the, the nickname stuntman come up in the first place? Well, long before you guys were born, in 1996, I was uh, an intern on the, the Bear Morning Show, 106.9 The Bear. 
And I went out and did a stunt that morning. When I came back, the morning show guys, Doc and Woody at the time, said, great job, great stunt, but you can't be Stu the college kid. We have to have a nickname for you. They threw a bunch of names around. There was Super Stu, Studley Stu. And then Doc said, what about Stuntman Stu? And I looked at him and I said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Here we are, all these years later, pays the mortgage. All right, so your nickname Stuntman Stu. What's your greatest stunt? you got to have a couple stunts you've done that you, uh, you can tell the people. Well, I beat cancer twice. Is that not good enough? <laughs> That's damn I'd good. That is damn impressive. And we want to get into that later, but I want to start a little bit further back. 2006. This is at the height of the Ottawa Senators' success. They had had the tough playoff runs. The lockout kind of broke it up. Lots of changes in the front office. They go out and get Pilsy's favorite NHLer all time, Dominic Hasek, and you step in as the public address announcer. How was that first season like? And as a follow-up, did you ever lose your voice when you're calling the Sens' seventh or eighth goal in a game? Like, they were lighting it up. There was one game where I actually lost my voice, but I kept drinking tea as I'm doing now, and that saved me. I was, uh, it was, it was advice from Dean Brown, who, you know, a seasoned pro. I said, how do you maintain your voice? He goes, always have a, a tea at the, at the ready. So I, I, I knew uh, at the beginning of, of each period to have a tea ready. The first season was amazing. I remember, I remember being so nervous and, and so privileged to actually sit there. And somebody called my bluff. I wanted to do this ever since I was a kid. And now I got the opportunity. So I'm sitting there. I remember my first night. I'm like, okay, when are they going to score? And they didn't score for like two games. So it was on the third game when Dean McCammon scored the goal for the Sens. And I announced, I finally announced a home goal. Plus, going to the Stanley Cup Finals in that first year was pretty cool, too. That's tough, keeping you on your toes there, making you wait a couple games for your first call, but glad you ended up getting it there. So you were the PA announcer for the Sens for a long time. In your average day, what was the best part about coming to the rink and doing that job? What was, what was the one thing where you can tell people, like, I love this about my job? Literally pulling up to the rink and parking in the back and the loading dock and walking in through the player's entrance. I just felt this immense sense of pride and being so fortunate. You know, the average fan's going through gate one and I'm not the average fan. I'm working for the Sands and I get to go behind the scenes and I never took it for, uh, for granted. Even on those nights in the middle of January when Phoenix was in town and it wasn't a great opponent, uh, I never, never took it for granted. Actually, I, I miss it to this day, but I had 12 good years and I cherish every second of it. And you mentioned behind the scenes, it was your home was between the penalty boxes. So who spent more time in that penalty box area, you or Chris Neal? Well, uh, my, first, uh, my first eight years, I was actually upstairs in the press box. And then oh, okay. after coming back from the Olympics... After coming back from the Olympics in Sochi, in Sochi, I was down in the penalty box. And I told my boss when I came back, look, I got to get, get down to the ice. And I gave him a whole list of excuses, but I really wanted to be closer to the action. But I had, I had good cause. The previous year, we were playing Montreal. Remember that big battle in, in the playoffs? We got all those penalties with Montreal when we beat them. Yep, and I yep. 2013, game three. I was way so in the was, rafters up there. I was where you were used to sitting. So I was, I was in the, I was in the uh, press box then. I was still getting the calls like 10 minutes later from the penalty box. And I said, this is not going to work. So I, I convinced my boss, Paul Gallant at the time. I said, please, Paul, put me down between the benches. And he said, fine. So he said, uh, if you want to be there. And, and being down there was really cool. Hearing a lot of great conversations between the players after a fight was always, always entertaining. You took my next question right there. What, what was some of the best uh, chirping battles that you were caught in between of? Or is there any, any funny kind of memories where just being in that area brought, a, brought a, some funny stories to mind? 
I got a funny story that I, I, I've never said publicly. Only the people that were around me knew it at the time. So this is a, a breaking story. Exclusive. Uh, it was the second period. I forget the linesman. Uh, I forget, it was a French linesman and a very funny guy. And uh, I let one rip before the second period. So I went back to the penalty box and I just let one rip in the penalty box. And he's, he's stretching against the glass and he, you could smell it. And he, he looks at me through the, through the little circle. He's like, oh, you're disgusting. I'm sorry. They were about to throw you back upstairs. Yeah. yeah. And we, we laughed and laughed that whole period. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, you mentioned the, the Stanley Cup finals as well in, in your first season. And I was at that game three. The building was shaking literally before the game. How do you hold your nerves as you're introducing the starting lineup in such a monumental game? Honestly, you just dig in and do it. Uh, I don't remember how I did it. I just remember being really nervous and just talking to myself beforehand saying, you were born to do this, just do it. You've done, do it like you've done it a thousand times. That would be my pep talk before every game. And I, I just said, you know what? And the worst part was, is that we had Elliot Friedman up in the press box doing a, like a, a, th- a live throw. So they went to, uh, Ron McLean went to Elliot first and Elliot went down the stairs in the press box and came all the way up to me. And then uh, they said, Stu, take it over. And then I got the okay from CBC and I got the okay from my director. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. So that I started, I just, I, the nerves uh, de- definitely took over. Oh, I believe that. Oh man, you gave me chills just doing that uh, that first intro. That sounded great. I want to ask you, what was your most memorable goal call? Not the biggest one, not uh, the best goal, but one call that in your mind you can remember. Well, I mean, the ones that I cherish the most, obviously when you announce the player's first NHL goal, you don't want to screw that up because the chances are his family's there and you don't want to mess that up. Now, this this kid will never remember you announcing it, but you're a part of something special and you got to get it right. So I would literally write it out word for word just so I wouldn't screw it up. But honestly, when Alfie uh, scored, I think it was his uh, what was it, 400th point or 400th, 400th goal was the one with yes. Carlson on, yeah. on the power play. Yes, yes. That is definitely what the memory's a little shaky after a couple of rounds of radiation, two cancer battles. But that is definitely one night I, I won't forget. Hey, so I want to get into that. So in Ottawa, we're, all we've talked about so far is the Senators. But in local terms, you're so much more than that. Like the No More Bullies campaign you started in 2012. Um, help so many people, your ability, so many local charity initiatives, and your fights, both of them against leukemia, well-documented. Most recently, you got out of the hospital after your second bone marrow transplant in June. How are you doing right now? I'm doing good, actually. I was there today. I've got a little bit of what's called graft-versus-host disease, which is completely normal. When you get a bone marrow transplant, your, your donor takes over your body, and they learn to get along. So the part of the, uh, the graft-versus-host disease is really itchy skin, so I had to get uh, some special cream from the uh, pharmacist today. Other than that, I'm good. I'm really, really good. There are days where I'm exhausted, which is normal. And, uh, you know, having gone through this before, I know what to expect. So when my skin started getting itchy last week, I'm like, oh, it's graft versus host. So it was all clear at the hospital today. Thank God. That's awesome. We're so happy to hear that. You've been so inspirational, being so strong against, against this terrible disease. And I mean, your words of just seizing every day, and you mentioned that in, in your senator's career as well, about how you didn't take anything for granted. I think those words really resonate. And uh, we've been following along and we'll continue to tweet out the hashtag Stu Strong and Stu Strong too. And we really appreciate you taking some time with us tonight, Stu. Uh, it's been a pleasure, like growing up, going to Sens games, your voice coming over the dun, 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 dun. please welcome your Ottawa Senators 
And, uh, you know, like I said, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a pleasure having you. Thanks, boys. I'll leave you with a Bobby Ryan goal call. Number Senator's goal, scored by number six, numéro six, Bobby Ryan. What an absolute legend. Stuntman, Stu, we really loved having him join us uh, on the Locked On pod. Grew up with him doing the PA announcing in the well, Corel Center back then, Scotiabank Arena. Uh, you pick a name they had at the Canadian Tire Center now. Um, so it was awesome having Stuntman Stu on there. Love the Bobby Ryan uh, goal call at the end. Hopefully we still hear a few more of those down the road. Right now it's all focused on the playoffs and the two best words in sports, Game 7. But let's start with Vegas, Vancouver, Thatcher, Demko. What have the shots been since Demko arrived i want to say it's close to triple for vegas than what vancouver has i believe that ross last night they doubled the canucks in shots 48 to 23 and i was fired up about this game i actually stayed up and watched the whole thing and for the entire game i was damn convinced vegas was going to come back and win they were absolutely dominating um so much puck possession so many good chances and Demko, you just could not beat this kid. And I think it's the perfect visual when Bo Horvat scores that empty net goal. The camera goes back to Demko on the other end of the ice and his hands are on his knees and he's like panting. Like he is so, so tired because he's working so hard to keep that shutout. And he did it for them to shut out the Vegas Golden Knights in an elimination game. That shows that this group really band together and like, we're not going down without a fight. And we're not just like scrapping to survive here. We're going to dominate a four, nothing win to head into game seven. Look out. Well, they were dominated through four games of this series. It was three, one Vegas. And the, the score in the series was 13 to three. And then in comes Thatcher Demko following an apparent groin injury to Jacob Markstrom in those two starts. 90 saves on 91 shots. Yes, that's correct. 91 shots against in two games, neither going to overtime. Let that sink in. It's the most saves by a rookie goalie in a playoff shutout since 1956. Forget 96. 1956. So Thatcher Demko has completely come to play. Like, there's no way, obviously, you go back to Markstrom. The beauty, though, is that game seven is tonight. Are you worried at all of the the workload that you're giving a guy who hasn't played in a, an extremely long time? Or do you think the fact that he joined Jacques Plante and Steve Shields as the third rookie goalie to post a shutout and force a game seven while doing so, you think that's enough that he's just going to be going on pure adrenaline tonight? Ross, I am worried. Like I just said, at the end of that game, he was exhausted from that performance. And Something that I'm sure those goalies you listed off didn't have to deal with, back-to-back playoff games, especially back-to-back elimination games. And when a team like Vegas is so much, I don't want to say stronger, but they're offensively, they're just dominating. So as a goalie, that's so tough to do. I don't even know, Ross, if Markstrom is an option. He's been unfit to play. He hasn't been dressed the last two games that Demko has been playing. So I don't know, unless you're going to go with Louis Domingue for Game 7, I don't see uh, Travis Green doing that. Demko's back in net. 
And Vancouver better put a much better performance together defensively if they're going to have Demko um, have a stellar performance like that again. Hey, well, Travis uh, Green can uh, breathe easy because Demko minored in philosophy at Boston College. So he's not going to overthink this one way or another. And we're not going to overthink the fact that back-to-back game six, game seven, I'm really curious to see actually how this plays out tonight. And we saw a double overtime game as well. Kevin Hayes, man, talk about a guy who was told he's overpaid all season long after signing a long deal at well over what people expected market value to be. He has come to play this postseason. I love Hazy. Look, what what a great uh, playoff performer. And every time he's on the ice, I can't help but have my eyes glued to him. He's always in and around the play. It seems like he's making such smart moves. Sometimes I think he holds onto the puck a little too long and could have made a, a quick, nice pass. But usually it ends up working out because he's so creative. He can fool the defenders thinking he's going to make that pass and then get right by them. But he's just been an absolute beast for this Philly team. And how about that JVR slap shot? Varlamov was like three, four feet out of the crease. And JVR just said, I'm just going to beat you right here, right now. And what a shot. Yeah, it was an awesome release on that one. And uh, really, I was expecting it to be, as you mentioned on Twitter, actually an ugly goal. But credit to Provorov. That was a nice little shot there in double OT. Oh, yeah. Provorov, what I like about Provorov is, I don't know if you've noticed this too, Ross, very rarely does he take a slap shot from the point. He's a wrist shot guy, and yeah. that's turned out real nice for him. And I think more defensemen should be using that kind of soft finesse strategy rather than just trying to trying to do what JVR did and just blast the puck right through because more often than not, it's getting blocked, deflected away, or it's just going to miss the net. Well, we're going to be looking forward to both these games and Saturday. So good thing for the Flyers and... Um, and the Islanders, because they went to double overtime, they won't play the back-to-back. They'll be able to get a night off in between. We're going to be keeping our eye on the Sens abroad, who were noticeably quiet in the last couple days. Stonesy and Pajot kind of regressing. Pajot had a lot of good chances. He hit Carter Hart in the head twice. Yes, in overtime. Yeah, I don't know if both were in overtime. One One was in overtime. But twice he dinged him on the head. So if he's three or four inches to the left, those are in the net. Oh, it's going to be great to keep uh, an eye on what happens this weekend. We'll be back to break it down on Monday. And also, Tony Ferrari put up a storm on Twitter with a tweet. So we've we've got him on the show on Monday. He'll defend his point, and we'll tell him why Shabbat's better than all the defensemen he mentioned. So have a great weekend, Sens fans. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.